0: Well, worship the king indeed. Well, good morning and welcome to Wheaton Bible Church's traditional service. We're so thankful to be able to worship this morning, and I want to encourage you to lift your voices and lift your hearts wherever you are, and just to be attentive to the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ that is in our songs and scripture readings and in the message today. We want to open with this call to worship.
1: Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we
0: love God, but that He loved us and sent His only Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins.
2: Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift.
0: Psalm 103 tells us, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him.
1: What love could remember no wrongs we have done? Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more.
0: I'd like to take a moment and introduce a piece of special music. Our violinist Grace Walker is going to play a piece by J.S. Bach. And during that, we're going to post a few verses from Psalm 63. And today our message starts to turn to the theme of desiring God, of pursuing God. And this psalm turns our hearts to the all-satisfying God that we have and his steadfast love for us that we find in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to meditate on that as Grace plays for us now. Thank you so much, Grace. Well, much as that peace portrays, we often pour out our hearts to the Lord in sadness or in loneliness. And it's especially true during this season, I think, for many of us. We're especially mindful of those of you who live in retirement communities and those of us who have loved ones who live in retirement communities. We want you to know that God's abiding presence is with you. And we'd like to bring you a special greeting right now from two of our members, Jan Toms and Nancy Huber. They are greeting their moms who live in retirement communities and we hope that all of you hear encouragement uh, from what they're saying so let's hear from jan and nancy right now
1: hi mom i really miss you it seems like it's been an awfully long time since i've seen you in person
3: thank the lord for facetime
4: Mom, I pray that the Lord brings to your mind His Word. Like in Deuteronomy 31, where He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid.
2: Hi, Grandma, we love you
1: and we miss you. And I wanted to share with you a verse that means a lot to me because it reminds me that I have a much bigger God than I ever can imagine and he is my help. And in Psalm 18, it says, the Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We love you.
5: Bye.
3: Church, my name is Chad Lowe and I serve as the interim campus pastor of Tri-Village Church, our Streamwood campus. Now over the last several weeks of sheltering in place, I have been all over with emotions. I had the initial, we've got this, when everything started. I've also had anxiety over when is this going to end? And right now, I just want to see my friends and family. But it makes me wonder, how are you doing? In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is writing to the early church and he tells them, humble yourselves before God. And it says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, God wants us to be in communion with him, to talk with him. And we'd love to join you in doing that through prayer. So wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, would you take a moment right now, text the word prayer to the number on the screen. You'll receive a prompt back asking for your request. And if you'd like to remain anonymous, totally fine. We would just love to join you in prayer this week. One of the over 50 nations where our church has influence is Albania and Eastern Europe. Our missionaries, Eric and Kathy Gundy, have been serving for over 20 years in this majority Muslim nation. Their team does holistic ministry, much like Puente del Pueblo, sustaining families in crisis and helping them thrive. During this COVID-19 lockdown, their team has been a shining light serving the vulnerable in their community. They don't have access to local food pantries like we do, so their team and their church has helped to provide food for over 150 families. They also created their own version of Meals on Wheels to support the elderly and shut-ins. The Albanian government has seen what's been taking place and even asked their worship team to get on flatbed trucks and play music during quarantine to provide hope and encouragement for their community. God is opening doors like never before and allowing His love to shine through. Your generosity is helping support the Gundys and over 90 missionaries who serve through Wheaton Bible Church around the world. And God is using them to provide hope and point to the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Would you please take a moment right now to prayerfully consider giving to support the ministries of Wheaton Bible Church? You can do so easily by texting Wheaton Bible to 77977. You can also go to the website WheatonBible.org/give, or you can also mail and check to our church offices. Thank you so much for the way that you support ministries here at this church. Before we receive our offering, I'd like to invite Pastor Rob up to pray. Pastor Rob, good
4: morning, Wheaton Bible Church family and friends. We are delighted that you are with us during our traditional service this morning. This service is going literally throughout the world, and we are thrilled that we can gather together in a limited way to minister to you, to lift your hearts in worship, and to take you to God's Word. Before I pray this morning, I want to mention two things. First of all, I'm stating the obvious, but let's not forget what this weekend is about. This is Memorial Day weekend. We will celebrate that tomorrow. And so let's take a moment and let's remember the people, the men and women, the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands that paid the ultimate sacrifice to preserve our freedom. Let's do that. Let's honor them individually and together this weekend as we go through um, our Sunday and Monday. And the th- second thing I want to mention is uh, something we're all aware of. We're all aware of how rapidly the conversation about reopening churches is changing. And I want to take a minute and talk about where we are tentatively right at this moment uh, relative to what we see in the near term future about reopening Wheaton Bible Church. And so there's a couple things I I want to say. And the first is that our plan is to stay online exclusively through the month of June. But at the same time, we will continue to be working on developing a a gradual reopening plan that will start uh, with small groups of people And we hope that possibly we could begin to implement that in both our traditional and our TVC and contemporary services in the second half of the month of June. And then depending on how the logistics go, we'll we'll take it from there, depending on where we are as a state, as a nation. And I say all that because I want you to be praying That God will give us wisdom. I'm gonna pray about this in just a moment. I want you to know our commitment here at Wheaton Bible Church relative to reopening is threefold. The first is we are committed to reopening, we believe that's commanded biblically. The second is we must, we must do it in a way that provides maximum safety. And the third is we want to do it in a way that creates a wonderful worship experience. In light of the constraints that we will face as we gradually and in small ways begin to reopen, I want you to know that the elders and staff have been discussing this for weeks. I want to uh, give a shout out to Glenn Miller, who's given us some extensive details as a logistic coordinator here at Wheaton Bible Church, or he is a G- logistics coordinator professionally. Glenn, we appreciate the emails. And we will be pulling you, look out Glenn, we're going to be pulling you into this uh, conversation as we bring lay people and church leaders together. We need your wisdom, we need your prayers. As I said, this is a rapidly moving target. Having said that, would you pray with me? Father, we praise you for the wonder of the amazing love of God in Jesus Christ. That the Father sent the Son That the spirit might fill God's people. That we might live lives that please you because Christ lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect life in our place. Was raised bodily from the dead, is now at your right hand. And we know you love us because you've given us Jesus. We know you love us because before the foundation of the world, you existed as Father, Son, and Spirit, in mutual love, delight, and harmony. And so we come before you today as the King, the King of the universe who loves us so much that he gave us his Son. And we want you to know that we love you, that we honor you, and we worship you. And Father, we would be remiss if we did not remember The men and women this Memorial Day weekend that gave their lives that we might enjoy freedom. We think of Jesus who gave his life, his perfect life, that we might find salvation and freedom in Christ. And we pray, God, that you would honor the memories of these men and women that point us to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now for our church here at Wheaton Bible Church, our sister churches in the Chicagoland area, for the Church of Jesus Christ around the world, would you give us wisdom as we seek to reopen, but to reopen safely and in a way that provides a good experience, a wonderful experience spiritually. Father, there are so many moving pieces, so many details to attend to. And we want to commit to you these issues. Uh, They're beyond us. And we ask that you would be honored and exalted as we seek to lift up Jesus Christ during the difficulties and the dangers of COVID-19. We pray for uh, family members, family members of Wheaton Bible Church, people that are part of the family of God here who are hurting who may be experiencing a bout with COVID-19 right now, who may be seriously ill, or they have friends or family members that are, and we ask that you would bring comfort, as only you can do. We pray for people that are suffering from job loss and ask uh, that you would open doors as we begin to move into phase three. We ask God for wisdom. I pray for moms and dads who need wisdom. As they uh, parent their children uh, during this uh, nonstop time, and ask that you would bless these families, that you would bless our s- kids, our students. We want to learn from you, we want to hear you speak to us, and we thank you for Jesus, our Savior, and we pray in his great name. Amen. He was a sophomore in high school, and he was driving with some of his buddies uh, to his school's girls' away basketball game, but it was actually quite a bit away, and the basketball game took them to the near west side of the inner city of Chicago, Unfortunately, when you get a group of sophomores in a car, they tend to pay more attention to what's going on inside the car than outside the car, and they didn't seem to really notice how quickly they were moving into a dangerous part of Chicago. But a policeman quickly pulled them over, lights flashing, brought them to a stop. The officer walked up to the car, asked these guys a a couple of questions What are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you here? And then he said to them, you know, you've taken a couple of wrong turns, and if you take another wrong turn or two, you are going to end up in a place you do not want to be. So I'm going to leave my lights on, and I'm going to escort you out of this neighborhood, and I want you to follow me. He did, and they did. And I wish I could tell you that's a story that I read someplace. But that was my son driving that car when he was in high school. This is week number two in a series on wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And my point isn't to belittle or to endorse withdrawal or complacency about the... Plight of the inner city of our city, Chicago. Rather, the Book of Proverbs will teach us just the opposite: that we are to be attuned to, we are to address the needs of the poor and the vulnerable. Rather, my point in starting with this story is that, according to the Book of Proverbs, wisdom is avoiding making wrong turns, not just with your car. But with your life, with your friendships, oh, with your, who you are dating, with your values, with your priorities, with how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Uh, with what you do with your cell phone and what you do with God. And by the way, those two are not equal. You see, wisdom in Proverbs is skill in living. Wise people live skillfully. Wisdom in Proverbs is competence in the complexities of life. Now it's not just mere external morality. You can be very moral as a person and not be wise. But biblical wisdom moves from the interior to the exterior. So one way to think of it is it's loving what God loves and hating what God hates from the heart. I say all this because I want you to understand that wisdom in Proverbs is avoiding making wrong turns, both inside in the issues of your heart and outside in terms of your behavior and your words. So today we come to Proverbs chapter 2. I think it's one of the most helpful chapters in the book of Proverbs because it addresses, among other things, two primary things. How we get wisdom and what we gain from wisdom. In other words, the responsibilities and the rewards of wisdom. So we're going to look We're going to start, rather, beginning in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 9. And here in this section, we're going to focus primarily on how we find, how we discover, how we get wisdom. So Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success, and here he's talking about spiritual success, in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Now I see in this section four ways to get wisdom and the first has to do with our perspective and so I've stated it like this wisdom is a path not a pill the word path is the very last word used in this section I just read it comes at the end of verse 9 it's a word with other synonyms that is used over and over In the book of Proverbs, because path is a metaphor for life. Life is like walking a path according to the book of Proverbs. Your final destiny in life is a product of the things you do, the choices you make. That you repeat on a daily basis, on an everyday basis. You take another, in other words, you take on a set of daily practices. Um, you do them over and over. And eventually, you discover wisdom. Another has said wisdom is a function of the left, right, left, right, left, right practices of your life. So wisdom is a path. It's not a pill. It's not something you swallow and immediately get it. It takes time. It's adopting biblical principles, biblical values, disciplines and practices and doing them over and over on a regular, consistent, on a daily basis. Paraphrasing Eugene Peterson, wisdom is a long obedience in the same direction. But let me make two applications here before I go on. And the first is that I want to encourage you to never give up. Spiritual disciplines, practices like prayer, reading the Bible, uh, worship, Uh, being actively involved in a small group have become increasingly hard in our modern era. I mean, the day and age of the smartphone, high-speed internet, instant, constant entertainment. So along the way, and I mentioned this last week, because of the culture we live in, we have developed, even as Christians, spiritual ADD. Our attention spans are short. We're sort of like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, and we just bounce, bounce from one exciting thing uh, to the next. I mean, think about how much is easier it is to spend time on your phone than it is to read the Bible. But Solomon is telling you here, wisdom is a path. It's not a pill. It's not instantaneous. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's an ultra marathon. And my point in bringing this up and in saying never give up is I don't want you to get discouraged when the path gets difficult, when it gets hard. I want you to understand that while you can play a video game in what, a couple of minutes, wisdom takes a lifetime. Never give up. The second thing I want you to understand. Is that you need to anticipate, you need to expect adversity along the way, along your path. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. But that plan involves pain. Look at how it's stated in the next chapter, in chapter 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, now notice this, he delights in. There have been just a couple moments in my life, but they were real, though temporary. When I wanted to walk away from God, where I just wanted to be done with it all. And as I've looked back and reflected on those moments, they had a couple of threads that were being woven together, together, they each had a couple things in common. One was I was facing an acute crisis. I was in pain. The other, and this is so often the case in those kind of painful moments, is that God seemed distant. uh, Almost nowhere to be found. And the third was... That I was all wrapped up in my own feelings. And I was sinking under the heavy weight of my own self-pity. Now wisdom in Proverbs does not escape difficulty. Instead, it transforms it into more wisdom. By seeing it as a part of God's good plan in a fallen world to grow his children, his sons, and his daughters. So I say this to say the very thing you may hate the most about your life right now is the very thing God is using the most to grow you, to stretch you, uh, in the language of verses 11 and 12, to discipline you, uh, to perfect you, to make you more like Jesus. And you're miles ahead of the game if you realize that. If you live in light of that. Because notice the end of verse 12. Your heavenly father doesn't merely love you, he delights in you. Let that soak in to your soul. And to the extent we understand that, then we will embrace the mystery of life under our creator king in a fallen world. And just like Job at the end of the book of Job, you will be okay in the midst of adversity. So anticipate it. Don't be surprised by it. God's going to use it in your life to do something wonderful. Now let me go on, and let me go to my second point here, a a second way uh, to get wisdom. And now I'm moving from perspective to three practices. And practice number one is this, store up God's wisdom in your heart. And as you can see, this takes us back to the very beginning of chapter 2, and let's look at verse 1. Solomon the father is speaking to his son, my son, my son. I believe Solomon knew his words were inspired because he talks about these being the sources of wisdom and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands and the notice uh, within you. Now storing up God's word is this wonderful concept. Solomon is telling us uh, you will grow in wisdom to the extent God's word grows in your heart. Now let me give you some historical context here. The man that is writing this saying this to his son is the same king who relatively recently had finished the construction of the magnificent Jewish temple in Jerusalem. It was one of the, so magnificent, it was one of the ancient wonders of the world. And do you see what Solomon is saying to his son? He's saying, become like the temple. That the inner sanctuary of your heart would house, protect, and be centered on God's word. Just as the holy of holies in the temple Uh, was centered on the Ten Commandments. Draw the word of God into your life. I love this uh, terminology, this verb store up. It literally uh, means to treasure. To be a a child, a student, an adult that treasures God's word. And you so treasure it that you have it available, you have it accessible because uh, you've memorized it. And so you use it when you face a variety of different, let's say, temptations. Just as Jesus used God's word when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Or say you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling uh, uh, alone. And so you take God's word like David did in Psalm 42 and you use it to talk to your soul. Why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul within me. And you speak God's truth. Instead of listening to your feelings, you listen to God's word. Or you kids, you all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And let's say you've just been rejected by a friend. Or something in your life is not going well. Maybe it's a family issue, a school issue, a a, a sport issue. And you're feeling abandoned, alone. Like I said, uh, rejected. And these feelings have a way of just overtaking you. So what do you do? Well, you take this verse that you already know. And you keep repeating it to yourself. For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. And how do I know God loves me? Because he gave his one and only son for me. And so you tell yourself that. You speak those words into your soul, into your heart. And instead of being overwhelmed by your feelings of rejection or whatever, man, you begin to thrive in the moment of difficulty. Because you know, regardless of what happens around you, God loves you. He gave his son for you. Now, I don't want to minimize... Either the importance of this or the difficulty. To memorize God's word, to store it up, to treasure it, is a challenge. It it requires work. It requires attention. And actually our practices will be uneven. We'll have good days. We'll have bad days. We'll memorize a verse and two weeks later we will have forgotten about it. But that's not a deal breaker with God. There's only one deal breaker with God. And that is complacency. And I find it very interesting how chapter 1 ends. As we go into chapter 2, where we are given these wonderful uh, commands, if you will, uh, promises on how to get wisdom. Let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And here it is, the complacency of fools will destroy them. Be careful about spiritual complacency. You don't need to reject Jesus to waste your life. All you need to be, all you need to do to waste your life is to be okay with your life, how you are, where you are right now at this particular moment in time. And I want you to see the connection between verse 32 and the first couple verses here in chapter 2. In chapter 2, we have the solution. We have the dynamics of spiritual change. But in verse 32 of chapter 1, we have the problem. We have the enemy of change. And it has a name. It's complacency. How you treat your Bible determines how you overcome the natural tendency of your heart towards spiritual complacency. Don't make that mistake. Don't be okay with how you are. Give yourself to storing up God's word and make it inaccessible and available in the different situations you face in life. Let me go on to the second practice. And we see this in verse three. And it's pray. You pray like crazy. You pray uh, for wisdom. Uh, Notice the verbs. The verbs are call out, cry aloud. If you call out for insight and you cry aloud uh, for understanding, these are strong verbs, eh, eh, emphasizing emotions, uh, focused attention. Uh, Like a dog with a bone is the picture I have. There's a sense of urgency here in calling out and crying aloud. There's also a a conviction that God answers prayer. That God will answer uh, my prayers. And this is so helpful for us because there's so many decisions in life that the Bible doesn't speak to, like where you go to school, who you should date, what job you should take, who your friends should be, what you should do on your weekends, what what car you should uh, buy. When should we as a church reopen? Well, what about this church? What about that church? Where do we get that kind of wisdom? Where do we gain that kind of insight? And Solomon is telling us in verse 3, it comes from prayer, from praying passionately. Now I want you to notice something as we go through these if clauses and we have one more in verse 4. You can take these as both commands and promises. And the promise here is if you pray, I mean, you really pray, God will answer and God will give you wisdom. I had a spiritual experience with God just a couple days ago. Rhonda and I talked about it. Uh, God spoke to me while I was praying, and He said to me, and this is what I heard Hey, Rob. Um, I'm going to answer this prayer, but I'm not going to answer it in the way that you are praying. Actually, God was answering it in the way Rhonda was praying. And we had this dueling prayer thing going on, and we both knew that, and we were talking about it, and we were having some fun with it. But I mean, uh, my stars, I'm the pastor. And God chose to answer the prayer And the way Rhonda was praying, and God in that moment told me that, and it was a wonderful moment when I heard from the Lord. But how did I get there? I got there because of the importance of prayer in my life, of how important it is. Now let's go on. And this is our third practice. We seek wisdom. We seek it as if according to verse 4, it is the most valuable because it is treasure in the universe. So we read, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, and again, uh, that's a simile, but it is reality. God in Jesus Christ is the source of all the treasures in the universe. And what I want you to know, and here I'm speaking personally, shortly after I came to Jesus Christ, I will never forget, I was on a retreat, a spiritual retreat with a group of college students and we were out in East Texas and I was sitting outside and I was reading my Bible and I was in Proverbs 2 and I came to this verse and it changed my life. Because it clarified for me my responsibilities and my priorities. That over and above all in life I am to give myself if I want to experience wisdom and live in a wise path. Walk down the left right of a wise path. That it's on me to seek that wisdom. And to search for it as silver in it. And as a Hidden treasure. As I said last week, and as I've said a number on a number of occasions, you are what you love. I want you to understand that. You become what you desire. You are what you love. And what you love is a function of what you pursue, what you seek, what you search for, what you look for. And what you pursue determines whether you live wisely or, or foolishly. Now, notice the verbs look for and search. Those verbs suggest you are busy, that you are preoccupied with Jesus. I mean, you have to mine silver to discover it. And Solomon's Day required hammers, it required chisels, it required backbreaking work. And if you're searching for a treasure, In a field, you dig in one place and if you don't find the treasure, uh, you dig again. And you may have to keep digging until eventually you find it. But you're digging over and over, just like archaeologists do when they're looking for archaeological artifacts. Now these metaphors express sweat, they express sacrifice, they express uh, difficulty. Now, yes, if you jump down two verses to verse six, we are told that God gives wisdom. That's a statement about the sovereignty of God, that God in his grace is the supplier, the author, the source of wisdom. But here in verse four, our verse, we're told that wisdom is on you. Your wisdom, whether or not you walk A wise path is up to you. Now, the last time I preached through the book of Proverbs some years ago, I didn't ask this question. But as I was studying this week, it occurred to me I need to ask this question. And the question is, what should we look for? What specifically should we search for? What are uh, the biblical hidden treasures? And there are a number of them, but I want to mention two of the most important. And that is you look for, you search to know God. And we see this in chapter 3 and verse 3. Now there's some debate about this verse. But I happen to believe love and faithfulness refer not only to how we treat others, but rather refer, also refer to how God treats us as his children. That just, we are, just as we are to be loving and faithful with those people around us, God is infinite in his love and faithfulness to those of us that believe in, in Jesus Christ. And so we have this beautiful picture here. And the point of the picture is uh, to walk in wisdom, you must pound into your heart that God is absolutely committed to you for eternity. That his love and faithfulness will never run die. It will never stop. It will never be reduced to a trickle. And and you know that because as we just saw, God doesn't merely love you. He delights in you. He went into infinite lengths to rescue you in Jesus Christ. He's never going to let you go. And one day he's coming and he will make you absolutely perfect. And you will experience, as we have just a taste of now, a heaven that is a world of love. So I want to encourage you to find ways to know God. Maybe for you it's uh, taking a walk or sitting still, praying. Praying. Being, as I said earlier, active in a small group or meeting with some friends where you can discuss God's words and spiritual things. Or you're listening to music and and, and you're worshiping. But you do all that because you're pounding into your heart that God loves me. And so his love and his faithfulness never leave you, even in your difficult moments. Now there's a second thing I want to encourage you to seek. And that is that you might know yourself. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It's interesting in the book of Proverbs that wise people know they are foolish. And foolish people think they are wise. Wise people, according to Proverbs are humble people. They're aware of their sin, their weaknesses, uh, uh, that their heart is an idol factory and they can go to the right or or to the left in just a, a nanosecond and escape the path of wisdom. Wise people know that they are foolish, spiritually foolish. They understand Uh, their weaknesses. But here's my point. The only way you can get comfortable with living in light of your weaknesses, where you can admit them, you can talk about them, you can confess them, is if you are absolutely certain that the God of the universe loves you, that he accepts you, that you are secure and significant in his sight. Otherwise, if you don't have that tangible sense of God's love, Well, you're just going to be a person that lives in denial. And you're going to go through the motions spiritually, but it's not going to take root in your heart. So finally, in the couple minutes I have left, I want to turn from how we get wisdom to what we gain from wisdom. I want to move from the responsibilities of wisdom to the rewards. And here's the first. You will know God. This is verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. And what Proverbs goes on to tell us is the fear of the Lord. What chapter 2 goes on to tell us is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now the fear of the Lord, and I talked about this last week, isn't just believing in God. It's being so filled with joyful awe at the magnificent of magnificence of God that it continually, daily, repeatedly shakes you at the core of your being. I say this because over the years I've had people come to me and say, hey Rob, I need to talk to you. I need to confess to you that I've been unfaithful. Or I'm struggling with alcohol. Or I can't get past my grief. I can't get past my anger. Now these friends are serious issues. And I don't want to make light of uh, the complicating uh, um, uh, stuff that we go through as followers of Christ. But I want you to understand each and every one of those are downstream issues. And the upstream problem is that at some point, to some extent, each and every one of these people stopped seeking God. They stopped giving themselves to knowing God. I mean, according to the book of Proverbs, here God is promising that we can know him. He is not promising that our problems will go away. And when you know God and you live wisely, you find the upstream wisdom to overcome your downstream problems, no matter how difficult they are. Second, you will know how to face temptation. This, as you see, is the, really the second half of it, chapter 2. And there are two different types of men, uh, temptations that are mentioned here. And each of them um, is described in four verses. So we're going to look at the first. Look at verse 12. Wisdom, and, and again, uh, this is a promise. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. From men whose words are perverse. Do you see the promise? God is promising you wisdom. And wisdom will keep you, literally save you from the temptations of the wrong crowd. From the temptations of those that will lead you astray. From people who will get you in trouble. And then in just a few verses we come to the second temptation. Wisdom will also save you from the adulterous woman. If Solomon was writing to his daughter, he would say the adulterous man. But here Solomon is saying uh, that wisdom will keep you from sexual temptation. So twice, in verse 12 and now in verse 16, Solomon is describing wisdom in terms of relational choices. Who you hang with, what you do, the people you let into your life. Now, I say this because some of you are running with the wrong crowd. You're listening to the wrong voices. You're dating the wrong person. And you're not walking in in wisdom here. And that's a downstream problem because, as I just said, you're ignoring upstream wisdom. Wisdom reveals itself in your relationships. Your friends, your relationships with the opposite sex, what you feed your soul with. Now, I am not saying do not hang around with people that don't know Jesus. I mean, Jesus didn't do that. But I'm saying don't let other people dictate your morality, uh, dictate your values, your, your priorities. The promise is if you give yourself the wisdom, they won't. You won't succumb to this temptation, these temptations. Now, parents, as I wrap up, I want to say something to you. And let me speak personally. When my kids were going through their teenage years, as they got older, I gave them an increasing amount of slack and freedom uh, and autonomy. But the one thing we watched like a hawk was our kids' friendships. And it's not out of line for you as a mom or dad, depending on the uh, severity of a particular situation, to go to your teenager and say, hey, you need to be done with that relationship. You need to be done with that group of, of friends. We did it once with our 16 year old daughter, and it created a war for a couple of weeks. But a couple of months went by, and she eventually came back to us and said, hey, thanks. I didn't see it, but that was exactly what I needed to do. Parents, take Proverbs 2 seriously. Don't confuse being a parent with being a friend. God calls us to parent first. And to the extent we're wise and we're loving, we will both um, be parents And develop wonderful lifelong friendships with our kids. But there may be periods where you're going to have to step into your child's life. And they may not like you for a while. I've been there, done that. So don't confuse parenting with being a friend. And the final reward is this. You will be blessed by God. This is verse 20. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. You will walk in the good paths because you have made good choices. You will experience good fruit from your good choices. And you will know even in the difficult moments when the terrain gets steep, when it gets exceedingly rocky, you will know that your God works all things together for good. He'll keep you on the good paths. And all of this, as we study the book of Proverbs, and we need to keep saying over and over, points us to Jesus. Everything in Proverbs points us to Jesus. Jesus is not only the fulfillment, but the embodiment of wisdom. And so Jesus went to the cross, dying in our place for our sins, so that when we believe, we might find forgiveness and redemption and adoption. We might be given the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we might begin to experience spiritual transformation. And so the, to the extent we take our eyes off ourselves and we fix our eyes on Jesus, who Paul tells us, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we will find this path, this path called wisdom. He who said, let light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The face of Christ is a metaphor for who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Look to him and keep looking to him each and every day of your life. Let's pray. So Father, we come to you and we thank you for this worship experience. We thank you for the timeliness as we go through this pandemic. For our obvious need for wisdom and the multitude of uh, choices that we have to make that are so different now than they were six months ago. And I want to pray for our viewers and pray God. That you would grace them with wisdom. That you, as you promised, would give them wisdom. That we would be loving on the one hand, wise on the other. That wisdom would be a heart thing for us because of what Jesus has done in our hearts. And we pray in his name. Amen.
0: Let's respond to God's word with one more song.
4: And with that as our benediction, may God bless you and keep you and through the Holy Spirit grow you that you might glorify Christ as you travel through life. Thank you for worshiping with us today. May God give you a great Memorial Day weekend.
2: with us today. My name is Hannah and I serve on our student life team. Each Wednesday we've had the opportunity to live stream from right here where I'm standing and spend some time interacting with our tribe, junior high and high school students. But it's not just a night where you watch, you get to be a part of it. We play some really fun interactive games, dive deep into God's word together, and you might even have the chance to win some pretty cool raffle prizes. Maybe you or a friend have been really struggling with the stay at home order. We would love to have you tune in and spend some time laughing with us, diving deep into God's truths and just staying connected in community. We'll see you there this Wednesday at seven o'clock. We know there are a lot of you that are new joining us here on Sundays and we're super excited to have you here. And while you've been getting to know us through your screen, we wanna get to know you a little bit more. If you wanna get connected more deeply at our church, you can go to wheatandbible.org connect. Or better yet, today after our 10.30 service, we're going to be having an after party on Zoom. Some of our pastors and members from our team are going to be on the Zoom link and they want to get to know you a little bit more. Say hi and talk about the message that we all heard today. If you're interested in joining the Zoom party, you can head on over to our Facebook page and click the link there. That's all for today. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your weekend with us. We hope you have an awesome week. We'll see you at the after party.